In the year 1202, Francis of Assisi was about 21 years old, and he went to war. Francis was the son of a cloth merchant, and his family was part of this nouveau riche kind of class. And in battle, he got to ride on an excellent horse and wear fine clothes, but he soon found himself in very different circumstances. The forces of Assisi were defeated, and his world was suddenly the size of a prison cell. And he would stay there for about a year until his father was able to ransom him. And when he returned home, his friends, they noticed a change. The rabble-rousing, popular, high-spirited young man had lost his heart for revelry. And he made his way out to a church outside the city and would spend whole days there praying. He even started spending the night there. And Francis started spending time with people that he used to fear and disdain and despise. It was people that were living with leprosy. In Francis's view, the more, a, the more a person was despised, the more that they resembled Jesus, especially when thinking of Jesus in his final moments on the cross. And to obey Jesus, you had to join those who were abandoned. And so Francis spent pretty much the rest of his life doing that. That year, two men from Assisi joined him. Francis would renounce all claims on his family. God was now his father, and this brotherhood began to grow. The Franciscan movement was underway. In war and in the relationships that he was building among the poor, Francis came up close and personal to despair. He was around people whose lives had been interrupted by pain, by violence, by poverty, by feelings of exclusion. And Francis had once had the privilege to really avoid that kind of confrontation with such deep despair. But now, he was right alongside it, and he chose to live among it. Now, despair is something that we all encounter. Maybe we encounter it within ourselves, or we feel it in the world around us, and we handle it in different ways. Maybe we stuff it in a box and try to put it on a shelf, tucked away until it starts to rattle its way open and we just wrestle it closed again. Maybe we feel like we cope pretty well when times are bleak and there are moments of despair. And maybe it feels just all-consuming. Well, part of what resonates for me in Francis's story is his seeming ability to face despair and even befriend it in a way that was almost like a spiritual practice. Now, probably what Francis is most famous for is his love for animals and the care for creation. Francis apparently had an extreme natural sweetness, which along with his extroverted and very like jovial personality, it endeared him not only to other people, but to other creatures as well. There are stories of Francis preaching to birds and they suddenly start flying in the shape of a cross. He is said to have charmed a cricket that was chirping incessantly outside of his cell. He famously made a deal with a wolf that had been terrorizing a town so that both the wolf and the people in the town could find a way to live together. And so I've been wondering about how the, rad the radical presence that Francis seemed to be able to sustain when he faced despair, how he was able to do that 
and be so radically present with creation? How did those inform one another? And that wondering made me think about Wendell Berry's poem, The Peace of Wild Things. Berry wrote this in 1968 when politics in the US were ugly. The Vietnam War was raging. RFK had been assassinated. Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated. And this is what he wrote. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. In our worship today, we get to celebrate the wisdom and the grounding that we can find in wild things. And it has the power to help us start to shake that hold of despair. At 9 o'clock in particular, we got to give thanks for our animal companions. There were at least a dozen dogs in this congregation, wagging their tails with the occasional bark. And we were celebrating creatures that make us laugh with their silly idiosyncrasies and who bear witness to the delight of just being fully alive. Just watch a cat sleeping in the sunlight and you will get a sense of that. Our pets are always there for us. They listen to offer a cuddle. They help get us moving when maybe it's us that need to get outside for a walk just as much as they do. And in our reading from Job, we hear God speaking to the ways which creation can help teach us to see God's faithfulness to and presence in every single living thing. But getting a dog or taking a walk in the woods it's not a cure-all. It's not a prescription for despair. It doesn't take the place of community or therapy or medication. And sometimes we will not be able to find our way through despair. And when that happens, it's not a failing, it's not a sin, and it's not the person's fault. God doesn't love us any less. By contrast, God is well acquainted with the pain of despair in an incarnate and embodied way through the experiences of Jesus. I want to leave you with the words from two more poets. Padre Gotuma is an Irish poet and a theologian, and he says that one of his favorite poems is one from David Wagoner that's called Lost. It's, it's very brief. Listen to these words. Stand still. The trees ahead and the bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here, and you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Otuma writes, The truth of this poem is an old truth. There are places you wish to go. There are places you desperately wish that you never left. There are places you imagine and wish you should be. And there is the place called here. 
In the world of Wagner's poem, it's the rooted things, trees and bushes, that tell the truth to the person who is lost, the person with legs and fear who wishes they were elsewhere. The person must stand still, feel their body still on the ground where they are, in order to learn the wisdom. And this isn't an easy wisdom, it can be a frightening wisdom. But stand still, the poet advises. Learn from the things that are already in the place where you wish you were not. Hello to fear. Hello to despair. Hello to hear. We are here, and so is Christ. In the wag of a tail, in the stories of Francis's life, in the songs of creation, and in the tears of despair. Hello to hear. Amen.